Good morning and welcome to Let's Talk Gardening. It's amazing what uh, one week does and you wake up and it's <laughs> it feels like fall. Um, we've had actually a really, really nice warm August. And uh, so we'll definitely start seeing the colors changing. We, I noticed that I walked through the tree lot uh, yesterday and uh, definitely noticed um, some of the columnar aspens and some of the the maples and uh, and that are changing color already, and uh, so it is that time of year where we uh, we head into that uh, into the fall season. When you're and when you start seeing your trees um, downloading like that, you can you can start to fertilize. Um, I know our prune it up crew is starting our fall program here coming up, and uh, and uh, yeah, it is that time water in a good especially newly planted plants and that's mainly what i see when i see plants that do not survive this the 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 planting or if they got planted in that heat is this lack of water is pretty much the main reason um so actually we're heading into some decent weather this week but it's really good time to plant trees and shrubs and perennials because your ground is nice and warm um, the soil's warm, so it's going to get the roots going nicely. So it's uh, it's actually a really good time. And plus, most places have their uh, stuff on sale. I know we just started our uh, our uh, tree and shrub potted trees and shrubs are buy one get one fifty off. So it uh, which is a good thing for for fall. And I'm going to be bringing stuff in like some of the the top 10 varieties, I still bring them in even for the sale. So I will be restocking our tree lot with, with fresh columnar aspens, hydrangeas, and things like that. I know that, that stuff goes really quickly, so I'm going to uh, get that going. And it's got to, a text here. It says, is it too late to plant sod? Absolutely not. This is the one of the best times because, again, the ground is nice and warm. That really helps get the roots going. And you're not going to get that super heat. I know we did a bunch of sod when it was really hot there, and uh, it's it's a, it's tougher. So definitely, the homeowners were great. They got everything watered in really nicely, and it uh, greened right up. But there was a, they get through a little stretch where it's uh, it's tight because it's it's really hot and it's hard on the sod. It uh, just dries out, and uh, so definitely um, now we're heading into <coughs> September is a great time to plant sod, trees and shrubs, perennials, all that kind of fun stuff. So uh, please uh, get out there, and uh, if you have any last-minute projects left, now is a great time to get on them. I know I'm planting, uh, I'm going to put some blue switchgrass in, and I'm going to do some echinacea and cone flowers, cone flowers, and a couple. My yard's lacking um, the late-summer color. So I really like the blue switchgrass because it gives you that really nice dark blue gray kind of look. So it's really good. I usually mix two of those with three flowering perennials, sort of like with three echinaceas and then two of the switchgrass. And then it just gives you a really nice contrast. So I'm going to be doing a bit of that planting today. I'm going to hit the garden center after the show and pick up a few plants and uh, and get that going. But right now I'm going to chat with John. Good morning, John. Well, good morning. You're up early, bright and early, Adder on the phone lines. <laughs> I, I might, I might be up, but I'm not bright. <laughs> I don't know about that one. And uh, 
So Anywho, what's up? The, uh, it's been on TV a couple of times. The uh, funny cider. Yeah, I've seen that where they they're accepting fruit, but you have to pick it yourself. I've sent a text in and a message into Harvest Calgary, which is a, the other organization that picked the fruit and they take it to the food bank and different things. I'm just waiting for them. So it looks like it is up and running. Oh, that's good. Yeah, it's called harvest.ca. So if, if anybody's affiliated with them, I did ask them if they would like to come on the show and just tell us how the program works. So what you do is it looks like I've gone on the website. You go on there, you register your tree, or you can volunteer to go pick. Um, so there's lots of ways to get involved, and uh, I think it's a great idea. And it, uh, that way all that fruit doesn't get wasted. And then the other one with the cider companies, they're accepting um, any excess fruit you have. You just take it and you you donate it to them. And I'm not sure if they give you anything in return or anything like that, but uh, it's a good way of not wasting any of the of the fruit from here. And then they put it and they squeeze out the cider and, uh, and away they go. Yeah, they mentioned something about uh, Calgary dollars. Okay. So much a pound, you know, but they'll, and you, you pay a uh, Calgary dollar. Okay. So those are probably some of those like trading dollars sort of things. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's good. We're on the same page on that. That's really good. Do you have any excess fruit? Uh, no, I'm short on snap peas and uh, radishes. Okay. You, you know what? You still have time. You could still do one more crop of radishes quite easily. Because even with this cool nights and the when the soil is nice and warm, you still have time to seed some of those quick crops where you could put in like radishes, things like that. They would germinate quite quickly and uh, give you one more fall crop here. So, Oh, because they're upwards of $2 for about 10 in the store. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, when you grow them yourself, it only costs you like $18, so it's good. Uh, no, well, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I was only going up to 60 yeah, you got to, um, and the biggest thing when you're doing radishes, again, is is just really watch how um, how close you put the seed. Like, just really be sparse with the seed. It's just better if you can just space it out so you're not wasting so much seed because you almost get 100% germination, and 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 you got to thin them out if you if you get the seed in there too tight. So. Well, I, I use the tweezers to put them in every one inch apart, you know. Oh, wow. Crazy, I know. Yeah, well, that's uh, what, why not, right? If you're going to do it, might as well do it right, eh? Yeah. yeah <laughs> All right, thanks, Sean. Thanks, Merle. I got to get out to get my uh, white rock. Or yeah, we got lots of the the white rock there ready for you. Okay, thank you. Thanks, Have Sean. Bye, bye. All right. And if you'd like to join me, the phone lines are wide open. You can call me at 403-974-8255 or one eight hundred five six three seven 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 zero. And uh, later on in the show, actually, I have at uh, 10.05, Kelly from Chinridge Seeds. And what it is, it's a birdseed local Alberta company, um, which we switched from the, uh, there was another company that we switched. We wanted to find a local Alberta company to deal with that that has high quality birdseed. Um, so we're dealing with Chinridge Seeds now, and they're, and they're, uh, providing us with all our seeds but uh, kelly she's also going to come in and tell us what plants to plant that are great for birds and to mix your flowers and bird feeders together to get um a cohesive 
a little unit working so you can uh, get the birds, get the beneficial birds in your garden. So looking forward to to that. We're going to chat with Kelly from Chinrid Seeds, and uh, she's going to help us out with uh, a little bit of birding going on in the in the garden. Let's go to Margaret and Red Deer. Good morning, Margaret. Good morning. I have a pot of glads that yep. um, haven't started to bloom yet because I planted them later so I'd have a, have a succession. Mm-hmm. And I was wondering with the cooler weather here in Red Deer if I brought them in and, uh, in the south side of the house. I, can, uh, I would leave them out still. Like it's not going to be like they're pretty frost resistant too. Like they can handle down to like minus one, minus two. Um, so what I would I would just leave them in the sunny, warm spot. Um, fertilize them with the fifteen thirty fifteen, and just just keep them in a nice spot outside. They'll just do better. They'll get kind of lanky if you bring them inside. They like it a little bit cooler. And the in the evening, you'll they'll they'll they should be spitting out the blooms pretty fast now. Are they that? Unless the they're really far of behind. My house on the deck. Yeah. So they're not getting as much sun as uh, I'd like. Yeah. See. Yeah. Is, is there a way you could get them into a little bit sunnier spot? Oh, they're in a pot. I can move them. Yeah. I I would maybe try to do that because uh, again, I I have the same issue. I have some. Uh, limelight hydrangeas on the front of my house which is kind of on the northeast side and they're just starting to bloom they look great as they're going to bloom most of september but typically they should be blooming the first of august sort of thing so you kind of miss a month of it when they're when some of those plants are not quite on the exact right side and if you start a little bit late like you were saying so Yeah, I would just I myself I would try and keep them outside as long as possible. They they just stay nicer and thicker, you know what I mean? All right. Yeah, the coolness kind of helps them and just ensure that you're giving them the fertilizer 153015 and uh and then just uh I myself you you and if if you get a little bit later where you you need to bring them inside, you can definitely do that as well. Well, I could bring them in at night. Yeah, but if if it's above five, you're fine. Like the sort of, I mean, even above zero, because like I said, the glads are actually pretty tough. Like they, they're ones that uh, are they can handle a bit of frost. So I brought in uh, my marigolds last night because I knew it was going to be kind of cool. Yep, yep. Some of those things. I know I have a great big tomato. I've never had so many cherry tomatoes um made a nice caprese salad last night but man oh man i love it when they get a little bit cooler to go out and eat your tomatoes and that on the in the morning when it's after it's been cool the sugar content on them builds up man it's nice okay well, kindly. okay take care okay bye-bye and i'm going to take a quick break you're listening to let's talk gardening on 770 chqr holy Let's Talk Gardening is brought to you by Spruce It Up, where the 50, buy, BOGO buy one, get one 50% sale has just started. Spruce it up, green it up, prune it up. We got you covered. And just got a, call, or a text here, and I'm just, I'm just responding on the text, but I'm going to also respond uh, on the air. Katoni Aster, lots of effect. It looks like the scale has gone through a lot of it. To be honest, I would take that whole thing right down to the ground and just start fresh. It'll be you'll be amazed at how much new growth you'll get next spring. So I would just take that right down, and just, and then just start fresh because then it's much easier for it to uh, 
doesn't have to fight all that uh, old wood and stuff like that and the dead wood going through it. <clears throat> and one thing you're going to see right now, I'm getting quite a few calls and I'm noticing around town is in, in your pine trees and some of the spruce, we're starting to see lots of yellowing on the interior of the of the trees. It's really quite normal. Spruce trees, pine trees, but it really shows up in pine trees. So the pine trees will yellow in the middle. It's just a natural shedding process that you don't have to worry about. If it's on the outside, you do, but when it's just on that inner part, and it looks really bad for about two to three weeks until those needles fall off, but it's really quite normal, so so don't be too alar- alarmed uh, about that because it's uh, it's pretty normal. I'm gonna go to the phone line, and we're gonna chat with Carrie in Ericana. Good morning, Carrie. Good morning. We're just between Airdrie uh, and Ericana. We have um, uh, about forty year old evergreen trees, and they're just um, in the last couple of years after hail and drought. They're starting to lose needles, and then the whole branch will be stripped, and then it'll actually take the tree. What is that, Merle? Um, it's a, you could have some needle cast on there. Are these trees getting any watering at all besides what you get from the rain? Uh, no. They're, yeah. They're huge. They're <laughs> in a, a shelter belt. And that's part of the problem. Um, it's been we've really had some lots of really dry falls, and those big trees when they get to a certain point, they they do need some excess water if they can get it. Um, it that would be my one suggestion if you can try and get some water out to them with a soaker hoses or some some sort of moisture other than the, what's going on in the rain, and this thinning out possibly depends how close they are because if it if, is it just branches start going and then it slowly the whole tree goes. Just, it seems like a yeah. few branches start bearing off, and then it just gradually, you know, within the last year or two, um, they just gradually start taking the tree. Yeah, you could de- you could definitely have some needle cast in there, but a lot of it is caused by desiccation and just unhealth. Like they just need a little extra in- and feeding program for them. Um, so I would, uh, if you can, get some water out to them. Okay. If you can lay out some soaker hoses. Yeah. And uh, just if you get those sweating ones, and yeah. you can get just join them up, and that way you're not wasting water, and just let it soak in, and oh. uh, and they'll revive quite like if you get some water in a, and right now is a great time to do that. So build build up the water table up going into winter time, so that way next spring when the new growth comes up, and right now it's just setting the the buds and everything for next year. Yeah. So it's it's a really good time to get some moisture down into the ground for those. Forty foot tree. How how many gallons would that take? Well, a lot. So, <laughs> and especially like I would try and leave it on there. Are you guys on a well? Or are you in the city? I or just, uh, actually, we haul our water. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah it's harder to do. Yeah. Um, yeah, I would just and again, I would just use the soaker hoses again. Like if you have a pump, yeah. If you hook up all those at one time, how many feet would you say of of tree? Like a lot. <laughs> yeah, so I'm yeah. trying to do as much as you can on that, and then hook a pump up or gravity fed so it okay. goes out the emitters, and uh, so that's another way you can do it. And just trying that way you're not wasting the water; it just slowly soaks in. Okay, I notice there's a bit of sap, uh, clear sap coming out of, you know, dripping down the tree a bit. Um, I guess I'm kind of, and that could be just from old tree, old branches, like wounds of it as well. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I if, guess if you're probably... able to, if you're able to text me a picture, 
Yeah, I did send you one, Merle. Today? Like, yeah. This okay, morning, I'll, like I'll have a look through that. What's your What's your last two digits of your phone? Um, on my uh, last two digits are two, or... I know none of us know our phone. Seven one. Okay. <laughs> the last two digits. Yeah, no, okay, I see it. Yeah, 808, okay, yeah. yeah. No, I won't say your whole phone number, but okay. Yeah, I see it there. Okay, thanks, Merle. All right, thank okay. you so much. Bye-bye. Yeah. All right, and I'm just going to go to a lot of people from out of town today. It's good. Good morning, Chuck from Okotoks. Good morning, Chuck. Good morning. How you doing, Merle? Good, good. How can I help you? Uh, it's about, uh, again, about uh, Colorado blue spruce. Yeah. I have, uh, um, I don't know, 18 trees by the road, and I'd like to move them uh, a couple of hundred yards closer to the house. Yeah. And uh, they're about uh, 20, 25 feet high, mm. and they're some of them are jammed a little too tight because you can, you know, you'll have two really... Uh, yeah. Nice looking trees, and then the one in the middle is all is all you know not yeah. looking that good. So my question is, I got a backhoe. I can dig some holes, but I don't think no. I could actually. Yeah, you don't want to. You don't want to do it that way. You need to get like a seventy-five or a hundred-inch spade. Okay, like yeah. the biggest one we can get for the that size of tree in Calgary. So I know that there's a couple bigger moving companies in Calgary. I would call a couple of those guys that have that really big spade. Right, and because um, um, the ones that we deal with are bobcat spades and stuff, so I wouldn't uh, even attempt to to do it with those big ones like that. So I know there's a couple of companies in town here, and there's um, <clears throat> that have that. Like I would go no smaller than seventy five or a hundred inch spade. So okay, perfect, and um, just. So is it even worth moving trees like this? Or, if, if they're or in good am I shape, lose absolutely. Them, well, no, no. If, if if they're in good shape and and you use the right size spade, it works great. But oh, the only okay. thing is, I definitely stake them, especially if you're you're down in Oak Tokes where you're going to get some wind and things like that. Oh, I'm up on the, uh, I'm east up on Gladys Ridge area. Oh, okay. It's terrific up there. Yeah, so those, those are the things in, that you have to be really careful of when you're moving trees, especially like that, because you you got all that top, so it works like a big right. umbrella like or a big right. uh, parachute, right? So what I would do is, yeah, just make sure they get staked really probably and get the biggest spade you can get. Like if you can get the 110 inch, and because mm-hmm. a tree like that's they're selling for two or three thousand bucks, right? So if you can move it for five six hundred bucks, hire a guy by the hour and just get him to do your things in your house for right. your place. And uh, so I guess even digging the hole with no, the backhoe, no, no, you don't want to, you don't want to do that too. anyways. Because what you're doing is you're creating a bigger hole right. that creates loose. You want it to fit in there nice and tight. For, yeah, so that makes sense. Yeah, you don't so want a great I big hole ahead because then it'll just flop around in that hole. Would I expect to lose the the ones that are too close together? Yeah, like you the, might. Yeah, those ones you might just when you when you you're gonna sacrifice some when you dig some out, and enough. the guys moving the trees will let you know what kind of success rate or what what they feel comfortable moving. Right. So again, just you got to get the biggest one you can get. Okay, and the last question is the time of the year to do something. I'm getting real close. Right oh, now okay. is starting. Yep, now is the time to give those guys a call, get booked in. Okay, excellent. Yep. Thanks again. All right. Good luck, Chuck. Okay. Thanks. Bye-bye. And I got to go for the news you're listening to. Let's Talk Gardening on 770 CHQR. Welcome back to Let's Talk Gardening. If you'd like to join me, phone lines are wide open, 403-974-8255 or 1-800-563-7770. And a few questions about some of the... 
root crops just bolting up. Um, I find if the soil gets too warm, like sometimes the soil is mixed, you might want to mix in a bit of uh, a sea soil, like a 20% sea soil with the soil is mixed if you're using that. Um, or if the soil, if you're in a real hot spot, they'll bolt up and could be a combination of a little bit too much nitrogen in the soil as well. So they need the middle number for the for your root crops, like your radishes, your beets, things like that. So you want more of like a 15, 30, 15. Those are great fertilizers and that for for that, uh, for your root crops. Cause they, it is frustrating when you get them and you go, you see it just bolt up and then you have nothing left in the bottom. I just find when I see radishes and some of the root crops bolting like that, it's typically from just in a too hot of a spot. And, uh, it's just much better if they're, uh, you know, a little bit of cool and, and then just watching the, the phosphate in there. And, Got one here. Hi, Merle. I have two of these shrubs that don't look very healthy. Is there something I can do to improve the leaves? What those are, those are a ligularia. Those are a, a perennial. And uh, really what you can do and improve the leaves, those are, they like it a little bit shadier and just ensure you're getting good watering. And I'm not sure how long you've had them planted, but the first year's, Typically with your perennials, a lot of times you don't get a ton of growth on the first year. Um, the second year is really when you see them take off because it looks like you have lots of uh, um, stuff happening here in a hot and with the gravel. If it's full sun, it's going to be quite hot and the ligularia likes it a little shadier. So um, so I would maybe look at that. You might want to move it if it's in a real hot spot. And right now I'm going to go to the phone line. I'm going to chat with Linda. Good morning, Linda. Good morning. How are you today? Very well, thank you. Good, good. Well, we have some um, fruit trees out in our little little orchard, and would like are thinking about roundup around them and then putting on mulch. Yep. Is that going to hurt the tree in any way? What are you going to try and what do you, what do you, what is mainly underneath them? Is it grass or is it grass and weeds? Some thistle. Yeah. Um, if you put the one way of doing it as well is, um, if you can put fabric down first mm-hmm. and I usually don't do that with mulch, um, um, unless you just go really thick on the mulch, like go three or four inches thick with the mulch before you even spray and then just spray what pops up through the mulch. Oh. Cause it'll suffocate a whole bunch if you put it nice and thick mm-hmm. and then just the spray what comes up. And for the most part, Roundup doesn't, it doesn't, once it hits the soil, it goes sterile from what I understand. Mm -hmm. And uh, I just wouldn't excessively do it around a bunch of fruit and things like that. So that's why I'm just saying if you put a, if you put the mulch on really thick, even up up to six inches, and just when you get right closer to the tree, you can't go that thick, go down to the three or four. But on some of the other places, if you go really thick it'll just choke those out and when they come up they're really easy to pull so depending how many trees you have too okay also i thought of another question (laughs) is there a granular product for thistle that you can use in raspberries um no um they've gotten rid of any of those type of products like the the weed and feeds and things like that um, the easiest way to do it is if, if they're really bad in the raspberries, cut your raspberries right down to the ground, 
do all your weeding, and then put some mulch around them as well, and then start fresh that way. Because it is hard once they get intertwined and everything. Mm-hmm. So you can cut them down to the ground. Yeah, you don't. You might miss a bit of fruit on the next year, depending on what cycle they're on. Right. But yeah, sometimes you have to thin them out, and uh, or just start first thing in the spring. Like be really diligent. Um, get in there and pull the weeds back early early spring, put some mulch in there. And then again, when the weeds do come up, they're really quite weak and they're easy to pull out because they have to fight through the mulch to get through. So, and then it's a lot easier to pull them out. That's great. All right. Hopefully that helps. I'm sure it does. Thank you so much. Thanks, Linda. Bye-bye. All right. And one of my favorite things, we're going to go to Cheryl. Good morning, Cheryl. Good morning, Merle. How can I help you? Uh, I purchased a new uh, Annabelle hydrangea from you uh, in June, I think, and uh, planted it, and it was doing lovely, although the odd time a branch would just sort of wilt and then die. Yep. Um, So I don't know if And that happens if it's an Annabelle, because they are a little floppy at first. Um, So you'll get the odd one that goes down, and it might be... If the wind knocked it over, or, or even when they get blooming, um, the the blooms weigh them down. Okay, okay. I thought I was doing something wrong. No, anyway, so, there are a couple of branches that are still really nice and healthy. So I'll give you a um, hint what to do with that. So after this fall here, like when it dies back and that, just get a really nice big peony ring yes. and put it over top of it. So that way next year when all that new growth comes, starts growing up through it, and then just steer most of it through the peony ring because then you won't, you won't see the ring as the, as the Annabelle gets bigger and it'll help hold those blooms up nice because we get the, when it rains here, we get that heavy wind, we get the rain pouring down and we get those big blooms on them. It just weighs them right down. Okay, okay. Um, and, and I do cut it down uh, close to the ground, though, come spring. Is that correct? Or 100%, yes. Okay, yep. okay. And, um, and um, I have been uh, fertilizing it this summer with 15, 30, 15. Perfect. Is that correct? Absolutely. Okay, every, yep. every couple no, of weeks. and you'll really see, like, next year, you'll see, if you just planted it this year, is that correct? Yes. You'll see it next year. It'll just take off. I went by my old house, and I planted a few Annabelles at that place. And uh, I went by just, I always like to go by once in a while and just sort of see some of the trees and things that I've planted in the past to see how they're doing. And uh, I just, it was just like, boom, there was Annabelles just blooming all over the place. Second, third year, you really see the Annabelles come to fruition. So next year, you'll be, first year, they always, uh, you're kind of like underwhelmed a bit. Mm-hmm. And then next year you'll be like, wow, I'm glad I did this. So Okay, because I got no blooms this year, and I wasn't terribly surprised. Yeah, no, uh, and that's fairly normal. Like A lot of times your first year you don't get a ton. So Okay, and is there something that I should... Like, uh, should I stop fertilizing now? Yeah, you can, if you've done a fertilizer program through the whole summer and that, you can definitely stop now. Just make sure you water it in really good going through into fall. And then uh, first thing in the spring, hit it with 15, 30, 15, and get yourself one of those nice peony rings and uh, you'll be set. Okay. Um, one other quick thing. Um, it does get some sunlight. Does does it need? Uh, it's sort of on the northeast corner. No, and that's perfect for them. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. No, that's the only shrub or one of the only shrubs that do really well in the shade. Okay. Perfect. Like they okay. like it in the shade, where so many shrubs they say part shade, and they kind of do. Eh. 
if I if I have lots of shade, I'll do Annabelle's mixed with um, perennials like Brunaria, Ligularias, Hostas, mm-hmm. some of the some of the um, ferns, things like that. Okay, so do you think it's getting too much? No, no, not at all. Like I said, it's just your first year, so just just be a little patient. And really, what on honestly with the Annabelle, you get the first year is what you're buying is a root, and then it it's it's spending all its time developing its roots, and next year it'll reward you with your patience. Perfect. Okay. Thank you so much. All right. Thanks, Cheryl. Bye bye. All right. I'm going to take a quick break. You're listening to Let's Talk Gardening on 770 CHQR. Welcome back to Let's Talk Gardening. A couple of questions regarding saving seeds at this time of year, which we're getting lots of seed pods, like on, and this one question was for your poppies. So really what I think is this one of the best ways is you pop it out, you pull all your seeds out, um, and then just let them dry for a, for a week or so in a cool, dark place, or even in the sun, let them just dry right out, and then store them. And if you can find some foil bags or small Tupperware, or something like that, or even those uh, Ziploc small bags. Um, do that. Poke a few holes in it so the air can get through a little bit. And then just store them in a cool, dark place. And uh, if you have a cigar humidifier or something like that, it would be good to just store them in a, in a place for, uh, for, the, for the winter. And then a lot of those you can plant up early next spring. And, uh, and I'll, I'll get somebody on to give us a little bit more of a of a, uh, what you might call it for that, uh, a little more, more, um, defined procedure on collecting seeds. <laughs> I'm sort of lack of words. Sorry about that. And I'm going to go to the phone lines. Lots of calls. So I'm going to try and hit the phone lines here. Good morning, Ellie. Good morning. How can I help you? I was just wondering if the, um, Container soil that I bought that I've tried to plant um, zucchini in and um, cucumber and even tomatoes. If it is too hot for them, uh, my um, cucumber leaves go yellow and yep. uh, produce very little, and my zucchini hasn't produced anything, and the leaves are yellow. Yeah. I, and I think that's it. Just not enough, like sort of that deeper, rich soil. Like some of those, because they're they're they need so much moisture in their heavy feeders. So depending on the size of containers in that, um, I always mix in with some of those a little bit of soil, like real soil, not just use all soilless mix. Yeah, um, it works quite well, but it has to be really nice and deep. Yeah, because I I got like a twenty five inch pot um, for for a tomato plant. But I keep it really well watered and I fertilize sort of every three or four days just to keep it up because otherwise it doesn't take long for them in those type of soilless mixes. Um, they grow well as long as they get good consistent watering and especially when, you, when you're talking your, your uh, squashes and cucumbers and that because they, they do take a fair bit of water and they don't like to get really, really hot, hot roots like that. So, uh, Yeah. Um, to- uh, tomatoes. Um, I have I have been um, putting a little bit of uh, fertilizer on them. That's got the middle number. That's perfect. And um, and it helps, but it seems like it really needs that. And I'm using that sunshine. Yeah. Uh, yep. The sunshine mix. Yeah. Yep. No, and that's great soil. Again, just 
nice big pots for your tomatoes and plant them nice and deep when you do when you transplant them in the spring. Right. Nice Actually, and deep. what I've got is a great big stock trough. Yeah, perfect. Yeah. So they should be doing good. Um, just make sure you're getting the water all the way down. Well, I, I've got lots of uh, greenery. I've got lots of greenery, and yet uh, it wants to go um, yellow, some of the leaves. Yeah, and you're going to get that if it's on, is it on the lower and on the inside, or is it on the outside? Like, yeah, the, the lower. Yeah, and that's normal. They're shedding old leaves, so just pull those off. I, whenever I see them on the lower part, that's just the natural um, evolution of the plant. It gets rid of some of its older foliage, so it can put more of the energy to new growth and fruit. So just pull all that. If, it, if they're not looking good, it doesn't hurt it to thin it out. Remove some of the excess leaves. That way it can concentrate and use its energy towards producing fruit. Yeah. Like, And I had a bunch of that. I, I just pull them off and honestly, this year I've I've never had so many tomatoes. Like on it, I like I said, I probably have five hundred of these little cherry tomatoes on this plant. It's just it looks like it just uh, it's amazing. So that's that sweet daddy. Yep, sugar daddy. Yep, that's sugar my daddy. favorite one. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Well, thanks for your. Uh, Hopefully that helped you. All right. Bye. Thank you, Ellie. Bye bye. All right, and I'm going to take a quick break before the. Before the end of the hour, you're listening to Let's Talk Gardening on 770 CHQR. Welcome back to Let's Talk Gardening. I'm Earl Coombs. going to go right to the phone line. We're going to go to Bruce. Good morning, Bruce. Good morning. How are you? Good, good. How can I help you? I got pesky wabbit. <laughs> Waskly wabbits, do you? Yeah, yeah. They attacked one of my apple trees, and uh, this is a, a two-year-old tree, and it kind of chewed around the base. Yeah, they love they love that. Unfortunately, um, so Bruce, one of the best things, and what you can do is, um, we have a product called Lac Balsam, and I'm not too sure if the garden centers up that way carry it. I bring it in from from Quebec, and it's actually out of Sweden. It's the only one that I really recommend to cover that much bark. So I, I just get a uh, an exacto knife, and I just sort of cl- cleanse up the the wound, do a nice clean cuts all the way around, get rid of the shredded stuff, and then I just cover this with the wound with lac balsam. It's a breathable bark replacement. Um, okay. And then after that, I would use a product called Bob X, or if you have lots of rabbits, I would look at getting uh, using stucco wire or some sort of uh, um, barrier to keep them away. Okay. Because it will kill the tree. If you just leave it, it will kill the tree. Yeah. One last question. Yep. Um, For uh, maintenance of your uh, lawn in the fall, is there anything you can do? Because I had a good lawn this year. got most of the weeds out, but they're starting to come back. I just wondered what I Yeah, I would give it, if you you have a few weeds, I would just give it one more spray. Just just do spot spraying with Kill-X. And okay. uh, and then that'll clear that up. And then if you depending on where you're at with your fertilizer program, if you've been using our Green It Up lawn fertilizer, I would give it one more fall fertilizer, and that will set it up great for winter. And then first thing in the spring, you'll have lots of nutrients there ready to go. Awesome, awesome. And that, that stuff you call, was it black balsam? Black balsam, L-A-C, and then balsam, B-A-L-S-A-M. It's a bark replacement, and like I said, I'm not sure if the other guys care, but I know I brought it in because I don't like covering up wounds with the black tar or anything like that. It's like if you have a wound on your arm and you cover it with a Band-Aid, 
and it'll oh, just yeah. rot underneath there. But this is actually a breathable bark replacement. So it's the only okay. one that I really recommend for that. All right? Well, thanks. Thanks very much. You're very welcome. Bye-bye. Have a good, have a good day. You too, sir. Bye-bye. And, God, I love it. Lots of people from out of town calling. And I'm going to take, actually, Diana. And she's calling from Pincher Creek. She's our good friend from ba- Bailey Hill. How you doing, Diana? Greenhouse, yes. We're doing wonderful, actually, Merle. Absolutely fabulous. Awesome. Great um, year for uh, um, uh, sweet peas. Oh, the sweet peas have had an absolutely fabulous year, even despite the heat. Yep, no, but they had a good early coolness, which helped them get going. And uh, so, yeah, what's up? They really like that. They did. Now I'm trying to collect seed because I'm getting a bit paranoid about it. it might get really difficult to get seeds from Europe this year. Yeah, it is. Everything is is uh, is is uh, hard right now to find. That's it. That's it. I have a question about yes. my clivia, which did not bloom last year. So I'm wondering what I can do different now. I've tried feeding it and being nice to it, yeah. but it's not blooming. It's looking healthy, but it's not blooming. Have you... The only other thing is they do like to be a little bit root-bound to get them to bloom, so I don't know if you've recently transplanted it. Oh, no, but I was considering it, so I won't. Yeah, no, don't. So I would just continue to make sure it has the good sun, and they do like a fair bit of sun to get going in the blooming, and then this the 15, 30, 15, something with, well, you know, a high middle number to get it. Okay. Okay, we'll try that. And my next question was, well, deep concern for this poor tree they're trying to move at Stampede Park. Yeah, I, I read somebody sent me something on it, and I haven't, um, and my only thought on it is, is if the same thing I chatted with the person earlier, if they have the large enough tree spade, it, they should be able to. So maybe give me a little bit of a hindsight what your thoughts oh, okay. are or what they're doing. Well, what I heard was that they were root trimming it. So they were going in with a backhoe around its edges, yeah. which kind of went, okay. Um, and what the next step is, I'm not sure. But, I mean, doing this at the very hottest point of the year made me kind of go, really, now? And um, it seems to be, like, it, I know those trees fairly well at Stampede Park because I used to work in there. Yeah. Um, and I think it's a hawthorn, but apparently the news coming out is that it's an elm. Okay. But I think it's the old hawthorn tree, and it would be heartbreaking if they if they lost that one because it's a stunning yeah. tree. But if they if they do do if they root prune it properly, like far enough out, and that's always the good thing to do because you're preparing it and start sending more roots to the center. Um, so that is the is the correct process. Right. Okay. It's just well, as long as they haven't root pruned it too close, because then when they go to take it out. Oh yeah, I mean it's going to be a disaster. Yeah. Isn't it? So uh, I'm assuming okay. Stampede seems to have the. I'm assuming the proper horticultural they know, staff. They know yeah. <laughs> if they're going to go to that much um, effort, I'm hoping that they get the right advice, and okay. uh, and then move it this this fall once it starts going dormant, starts when it loses all its leaves. Um, get in there, like sit on big old trees like that. They need those great big spades, though. Like you need the 150 inch, or depends how big an elm that is. Oh well, if it's an elm, I still don't think it is. But anyway, I'm only concerned because yeah, I I'll look into that a bit this week too. and see if I can find out anything on it. So I sure appreciate that, just because yeah. it was a tree I was very fond of. So okay, <laughs> thanks, Diana. Hollow trees, but thank you very much, Mo. Awesome, thank you. No, and and the canopy in Calgary always concerns me because I see it. And I see so many bad trees. And even in a new neighborhood up in Seton, they just planted all these great big trees this past week. 
And I went by there last night, and they're all this crispy fried. Like they plant them in this hot weather, and then don't get watered. And it's just, it's just such a waste, and it's so hard on them. It just, um, there's just so much of that going on in the city where the trees, the existing canopy, is getting run down. And we just really got to look at that. And uh, again, I, I would love to be able to help out with that if someone wants to chat with me. So I definitely have some thoughts on mowing and and things like that to, with the city. And uh, I'd like to see it be a little bit more environmentally friendly and save a few bucks on the old budget as well, which we're all looking for right now. And I need to, speaking of the budget, we got to pay the bills here at old CHQR. We better break for the news and some commercials. You're listening to Let's Talk Gardening on 770 CHQR. Welcome back to Let's Talk Gardening. I'm going to take one call and then I'm going to go chat with Kelly about uh, birding in the garden here in Calgary and and all over southern Alberta. But right now I'm just going to take Colin from Hinton. Good morning, Colin. Good morning. How can I help you, sir? Oh, I uh, I have some invasive grass and my whole lawn was going lumpy and I, I observed that. Now it seems like it's starting to come up and I can identify it, so I'd like to remove it. Okay. So I'm looking for some help identifying it and then um, specifying a treatment for this grass. Okay. And what, what does the grass look like? Um, it's kind of a lighter green, kind of spiky with a kind of a tuber root to it. When You can easily pull it out and, and get the whole root. Okay. And it was showing up just as kind of lumpy grass and then little kind of dirt piles. And I was worried that Is it was a Is this a, a newly planted lawn like within the last year or so? No, no, it's quite old. Oh, really? Huh, that's a little bit unusual. Usually stuff like that comes in sometimes if someone brought in some soil or things like that. Um, the tubers and that will be in the in the lawn that they just brought in from somewhere else. Or um, So those have been just dormant roots that were sitting down there um, waiting to, uh, to all of a sudden pop up. Um, if they pop up easy, if you feel you can do that, the only other way to do it is get a small tube and uh, sort of like a two or three inch pipe, cut it to about six inches, and then just go over top and spray Roundup down those, just on top of those certain areas. And that'll just kill that grass and then fertilize the rest of the lawn with like a good greened up lawn fertilizer to get the rest of the grass, your your, uh, Kentucky bluegrass growing, and it'll fill in those spots really quickly. Oh, very good. Very good. Hopefully that helps you. Thank you very much. All right. Thanks, Colin. Have a great day. Thank you. you. Bye-bye. Yeah, that one's a little bit tough. And I'm going to go to Kelly, and she's calling from Chinrid Seeds, which is a bird seed company in Tabor, Alberta. Good morning, Kelly. Good morning, Merle. How are you doing today? I'm doing very good. How about yourself? I'm doing great. It's um, it's definitely birding season. Mm-hmm. I, I always like this time of year because it seems like the birds have, have maybe chewed up some of the stuff that's out there now. They're kind of looking for a few different things. And uh, and it's always neat to see the different birds. Like I'm seeing blue jays. I was out in Okotoks the other day. I seen a bunch of blue jays. Um, see lots of finches and different things. So what are your, what are your thoughts on what's going on in the birding at this time of year? And what well, can we do? Is- yeah, so this is the time of year where we start to see some birds getting ready to migrate. Yeah. There'll be some birds that will leave the area. They have, you know, summer ranges and winter ranges. So you're going to see some transition at your bird feeders at this time of year and okay. in your yard. So it's um 
you, you know, so you're going to see some different birds. It's important to have some food out to help prepare these birds that are migrating for their long journey and make sure they're in good health and in good shape. And, and for the birds that are coming in from other areas. So what, what kind of birds should we be seeing at this time of year sort of starting their migration south? So at this time of year, you're going to start to see maybe um, some of your uh, some of your goldfinches and some of these other small birds are going to be heading south. You'll, you'll see a lot of the geese migrating overhead. And then you'll start to see some birds coming in from you know, from their northern ranges into here. So, um, for example, you'll start to see more uh, nuthatches at your feeder, perhaps, and and some of the uh, chickadees, et cetera, like that. Okay. And what about some of the bigger birds? Is there any other ones that are migrating down or...? Well, there are, there are a number of different birds that, you know, it depends on your area, too, of Alberta, because the, uh, you know, even within Alberta, there's ranges. Yes. So depending on the area that you're in, you know, you'll have different birds at different times of year. So. I actually seen my first oriole just east of Calgary. It was one of our job sites, and mm-hmm. and I seen an oriole there, and it's the first time I've ever seen one. It was just, it was awesome, so... That is awesome. That is awesome. We don't get too many Orioles down here in southern Alberta where no, I am. No, it was, it was, it was, and it stood out because I've never seen like it was the orange and the black. It was just like, holy cow. So it was very, very interesting. So at this time of year, is there certain food that we should be looking at feeding, and how should we be feeding our birds? So at this time of year, so what, what we talk about is having a number of different feeding stations in your backyard with different types of food at each feeding station mm-hmm. so so um, so that you can separate birds in your yard, maximize the diversity of birds that you have in your backyard, and eliminate some competition at the feeder. And at this time of year, when we're starting to get ready for winter and, and fall season, it's important to have food that has high high fat content yeah. um, so that birds can build up that fat layer and get ready for winter. So um, hot oil seeds, so sunflower seed, yep. has a tremendous amount of oil in it. Um, it's excellent suet. You know, um, yep. suet is a beef kidney suet uh, fat, a type of fat that you put out suet cakes in your backyard. That is excellent. Um, nuts. Birds love nuts. Nuts, again, are a wonderful source of, of oil content. Um, so those are the kind of foods you want to beef up in your bird seed mixes in addition to, you know, some of the other regular millets and and other bird seeds. And, that I, might and the benefits of doing this is not only you get the nice reality TV of having birds in your yard, but the birds eat a lot of the pests and uh, different bugs that are going after some of your plants and that in your garden as well, right? Exactly. And um, those birds do a very important job of controlling the insects in your backyard and, um, you know, they're there, they're part of the ecosystem, you know, so it's, it's excellent when also when you're choosing plants for your backyard to think about plants that have sap and have, have nectar that attract insects. Because that also feeds the birds. So it's a, it's do you a sort of have a top five list that you kind of recommend here in Alberta? For, 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 for plants? plants that if you're going to add some plants into your garden or? Sure, sure. So in Alberta, I mean, number one is having plants that will provide shelter uh, for the birds. And, and here I'm thinking evergreens. So plants that have dense foliage. So, you know, your cedars, your, uh, some of your spruce trees, 
those those plants um yeah, I and felt bad for the robin that nested in my ornamental crab apple because we had a few of those big rainstorms and uh, and they didn't get a ton of coverage on some of those rains. So the, the poor robin got, uh, and the babies got soaked pretty good on a couple of those rain. Yeah, but they all survived. I think we had five or six of them in our backyards, which was kind of cool. So Yeah, no, that's that's pretty cool when you have babies in your backyard. So, so. Is you're looking to do some shelter stuff and, and mm-hmm. things like that to to, to to give the birds a little place to, to hanker down for a bit. Right. And then the other one of the other plants that I love in a backyard are mountain ash trees. They provide you know, any plants that have berries um, will attract birds and um, a lot of, some birds are not really seed eaters, so they're not going to come to your bird feeders. Yep. But but if you have fruit plants that have fruit on them, you'll have a whole different variety of birds in your backyard. And a lot of so. the new um, ornamental crabs, because um, mm-hmm. they're not like the old dog old crabs where you just get the big mosh pit in the bottom of it on the ground. Yeah. A lot of these ones, they hold their fruit right up until freeze up, like the mm-hmm. Rossler and crab, the gladiator crab. Like most of the ornamental ones just have that smaller just the size of a pea or smaller um, fruit, which is great mm-hmm. for the birds, like you're saying. Exactly, exactly. So, so those those are, and then of course your perennial plants that might have um, see, you know, that will attract hummingbirds, for example, that have nectar. You know, some of the some of the honeysuckles and and. Uh, you know, those kind of plants a, are great. I have a uh, annual plant, and we're going to have a lot more of them hopefully next year. It's one called Vermillionaire. Yeah. It's an annual. It just has a whole bunch of red, looks like little hummingbird feeders on it. And mm-hmm. honestly, it, it works. I Like, I sit in my backyard in the mornings and then in the evening. Uh, hummingbirds just swirling around that thing like crazy this past week or so. So it's been awesome. Oh, that's awesome. And then finally, you know, any plants that have, that will produce seeds, um, Okay. You know, even your marigolds, like if, if at the end, at the end of, if we're coming to the end of fall here, instead of going out and doing a big cleanup on your yard and deadheading everything when, when the, uh, it freezes up, if you leave those heads in your, you know, there, yeah. the birds will come and eat those seeds and, and it's another food source for so them. So like natural backyard. bird feeders. Mm-hmm, exactly. No, and that's a, that's a good point, and it's really good. And I'm I'm the one I I am a pro at advocate for um, procrastinating gardening in the fall. Like I don't yeah. like to cut nothing down, leave it that way. Mother Nature sort of lets the plants fall over itself and leave a lot of those things, and so then all that energy downloads into the into the roots. But I never thought of um, it. Also provides food for the for the birds. Exactly, and even those leaves that fall off the trees. You know all that natural, uh, that natural—I don't know—you call it compost, but yep. it again provides some shelter for insects. The birds are then foraging for, and um, you know, so there's something to be. In fact, even uh, bringing—you know—like we say at Christmas time, when your Christmas tree is done, take your Christmas tree, throw it in the backyard, and just leave it there for the rest of the winter, and it provides some—you know—some shelter, etc., for the birds. So you don't have to have the neatest yard sometimes you know there's an advantage of leaving a corner in your backyard that has some has some well, absolutely and then material. do your do your spring cleanup and then it's better for the plants it's also mm-hmm. providing food and shelter for your for the birds which i never really thought i thought about the shelter a little bit but for the food i didn't really think that actually yeah, they'd go in and eat those seed pods and all that kind of stuff mm-hmm. so you're mm-hmm. benefiting not only the plants but the for the birds because 
it is nice when you get the birds in your yard. Like there's nothing better than sitting in the backyard and you're having some birds flop around your yard and go to the bird bath. And uh, so what's your thoughts on the winter, like winter uh, bird bath, like the heaters? Uh uh Well, you know, you have to experiment um, with different types of heaters and that's where it's good to go down. And I don't know if you carry any, it's Bruce it up there. Yeah, we do. You do so, you know, and and see what's out there. Um, obviously, it is a little bit of a challenge to keep these uh, bird baths free of free of ice in the winter time. But the main thing is to keep the water fresh, uh, keep it turned over uh, so it's nice and clean, doesn't get disease in it. Have a fairly shallow bird bath so that the birds um, can wade in there comfortably and aren't going to slip, especially if it gets icy. And, um, yeah, keeping it fresh. Keeping yeah, I use a, fresh. um, I have a bubbler, like a gurgler that comes out of a mm-hmm. stone, like out of my garden feature, my water feature in the mm-hmm. backyard. I try to keep it going as long as I can through the winter and the mm-hmm. birds just go on top and they always just get that circulating water and, mm-hmm. uh, it, it works really quite well. So, oh, that's, yeah, that'd be excellent. Keep, yeah, that would be excellent. Okay. Yeah, and how are you finding the supply of bird seed this year? Are we keeping up? Are we going to have a good supply going into winter? Yeah, so it's an interesting year, you know, um, with this whole global pandemic that's been going on. A lot of a lot of people have been at home. And, in fact, we've seen bird feeding as a hobby just explode. And and we've, we've, um, we've been getting some really nice emails from some of our customers just telling us how much they're enjoying watching the birds, how it's bringing them this sense of peace and calmness and, you know, how it's really been a comfort to them during the pandemic. And so that's, it's, it's been nice to see, but it has put a little bit of pressure on bird seed uh, supply. So there are some, there have been some shortages, but we're, you know, we're in harvest season here, new crops coming off. Um, there should be a good supply. Again do you, do you harvest most of your sunflower seeds from in Alberta or do you import some as well? Uh, we do a combination of both. We actually, Chin Ranch, we have our own farming operation as well. And most of the sunflowers in our mixes are our own sunflowers grown on our own farm. Oh, nice. And, yeah, it is nice. And we, we do have quite dem- quite a lot of demand for sunflowers, so we do have to bring some in elsewhere. But, but yeah, a lot of the sunflower that's going out the door from us is uh, our own sunflower. And, and once you start using a good premium bird seed like the Chin Ridge, you notice uh-huh. the difference. You're not wasting, like, sure, you can buy a big bag of the cheap stuff, but you end up with that stuff all over the ground and plants are growing. But when you're using a good quality, the ground feeders eat it up quickly, so you're not wasting anything. Yeah, right, yeah. So our brands of bird seed are, you have the bird's choice there in your in your garden center, and we also have Mother Nature. Those are the two brands. And we we really strive to provide the kind of bird seed ingredients that birds want to eat, that they prefer. And when you're buying, so when your listeners are buying a bag of birdseed, they should take a look at the ingredient listing on the back of the bag. And, you know, it goes from the most ingredients in the mix to the lowest, you know, the least amount. And if the first ingredient is a milo or a cereal, um, you know, like a barley, oats, wheat, um, corn, there are birds that will eat those ingredients for sure, but they're not preferred and so a lot of times if you put that kind of mix out, you end up with a lot of it dumped on the ground, a lot of waste, and then you can end up with a lot of stuff growing under your feeder. So so it's good to choose a birdseed product that 
um, that has good quality ingredients in it that birds prefer, and we, we work to have that in our mixes. And then the other thing is, if you are a gardener who really puts a lot of care into your garden and you don't want anything growing under your feeder or messes from bird seed shells, etc., you know, you can choose one of our um, no-mess solutions. So in the bird's cho- choice line, it's a no-mess, no-waste blend. In the Mother Nature's line, it's a no-mess gardener's mix. Or, or you can choose um, even just pure sunflower chips. Uh, or, you know, there's sunflower yeah. kernels that have their shells taken off and they're chopped up. They won't germinate or sprout and they don't have any mess under your feeder. And then you can avoid some of those challenges that go with bird feeding. And what we've done at the store in our in our bird seed display, we've we've displayed a bunch of the feeders of what kind of food goes in each one cuz that's always the sometimes the hard part too. They pick up a feeder and then if you want to use sunflower kernels, they don't fit all the uh-huh. So we've we've laid out a display of of what types of food is for each feeder as well. Oh, and okay. uh yeah, so just help out um, to do that. So anyways, we're, we're, and I think it's such a great hobby and it's nice to see um, so many people getting into it. And uh, and unfortunately, it's through a pandemic, but um, however we get there, I guess it's good. <laughs> but um, And you got to take the positive, right? We're going to have a lot of great gardeners that found gardening, found birding, found some things at home, and found great things in Alberta. That uh, So we got to be positive, and we have a, such a great province that we got to uh, look at the positive and don't be think, oh, I'm just stuck in Alberta. But that it's, it could be a great thing. People pay money to come here, so it's... Uh, exactly. So we got to be positive. I, uh, if you always look at that other way, it's it's not very good for you. So, anyways, I'm uh, I'm glad to be part of the the garden center business here, and uh, it's been it's been a great year, and it's been I'm sure it has been yeah. yeah and then the birding is just so many. It's so it's great to see so many families out doing all the birding and gardening and all that kind of fun stuff. So. Yeah, it really is a family activity it from is. little kids to elderly people. They can all enjoy it. Absolutely. Well, Kelly, I'm going to just say thank you so much. And uh, Kelly's from Chinrid Seeds. And we'll get you on later in the season um, when we slow down a bit on the phone lines and we can uh, take some calls and uh, do a little bit more in-depth once we get some cool weather into October, November. We'll definitely get you back on because birding becomes popular through those winter months. So we'll we'll definitely call you and, uh, and get you back on to uh, help us out through the colder season. That sounds great. And I'll just mention that our website, if anyone's looking for more information on backyard bird feeding, you can go to Chinridge, C-H-I-N-R-I-D-G-E dot com and take a look. We've got lots of tips there. Or if you want me to send uh, you a copy of our uh, listener or our guide to our Mother Nature's bird feeding system about feeder placement, people can send me an awesome. email to uh, as well there and we'll get it out to them. Awesome. Thanks, Kelly. Yeah, thanks for having me, Merle. Anytime. Bye-bye. All right. I need to take a break. You're listening to Let's Talk Gardening on 770 CHQR. Let's Talk Gardening is brought to you by Spruce It Up, where the buy one, get one, 50% off sale has started on all potted trees and shrubs and perennials. Spruce it up, green it up, prune it up. We got you covered. And uh, lots of good stuff going on. So I'm going to hit the phone lines right now. Some very patient people. So we're going to go to Bill. Good morning, Bill. <laughs> good what, morning. You're getting slugged out, are you? <laughs> totally. Um, yeah, I've been 
hand picking a whole lot and uh you know using little beer traps and years ago Wade and Barry suggested I use a torch and kind of burn them and they kind of cannibalize <laughs> each other and, you know <laughs> um I, I find the beer one does actually work quite good if you just bury the tray down into the soil a bit get like little pie trays put some beer in there yeah and do that I know we're trying to get more slug bait and diatomaceous earth um, as we're, uh, we're, we were just, we're, we're been sold out and I'm, if you can find that, that works good. Um, but the beer does work really quite well. Um, it's a shame to waste beer on the slug though. <laughs> yeah. But it's an, I, <laughs> a little slug pub, eh? <laughs> oh yeah. The, the little cups I've been using are full. Like it's, you know, on, uh, on like the fishing show and those pods yeah. come in full of, crab it's like the same thing yeah you're just harvesting a big uh big slug big slug fest in the oh, I, I, I picked hundreds literally hundreds yeah it's been a really um because we had that really moist spring exactly, so that yeah. really brought on the um the slugs this year into our garden so um so that's and one thing you can do is next spring is mix in diatomaceous earth into the soil early on it's okay. that really sharp sand like stuff and it really helps um deter them because it's really uncomfortable when they go through the soil and it sure. almost cuts them and they like hey i don't like it here i'm going to move on to bob's house so gotcha. uh um that what works really well um, and just just keep doing the the pie tray with the with the slug with the beer, and like you say, you don't want to waste too much beer. But uh, if it's getting rid of the slugs, it always gives you something to talk about. Makes a good Instagram post or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I could uh, I could send you a few pictures if you want. <laughs> yeah, lots of slugs. I know I've gotten lots of calls and lots of people sending me pictures. What what's going on with my with my hostas or whatever because they're missing all the leaves but uh, yeah you don't notice it unless you're out late night with a headlight yeah absolutely all right bill good luck with that yeah one more quick question actually uh, i'm just gonna put you on hold because i got to take a break I'll, for the news I'll, I'll let you go thanks okay. a lot bye-bye all right you're listening to let's talk gardening on 770 chqr we'll be right back Welcome back to Let's Talk Gardening. Going to go right to the phone lines and chat with Robin. Good morning, Robin. Good morning, Robin. Pots and bowls. Hi there. Hi, good morning. I have actually two questions. Um, we have just built a ground-level deck, okay. and um, we have some wonderful neighbors that um, sit on their deck, which is above ground, and they're heavy smokers. And I was nice. potting some... Um, plants <laughs> to kind of make a barrier. Yeah, I was thinking of cedars. Um, I would stay away from cedars. They just—they're not going to get like when if you go, everyone goes to. We all go to. I was just at my brother's house out in Kelowna, and we're sitting around the pool, and he has twenty-foot cedars. We will never achieve that here in Calgary. Unfortunately, cedars just will not. Um, they might survive one or two years or, or a bit more. They're just not hardy here, so I wouldn't recommend trying to achieve any kind of privacy. I would I would recommend um, Swedish columnar aspens. Um, you could use also gladiator crab apples. Um, work they're an ornamental crab, or we have a new evergreen. It's not new, but it's new to us a bit that we've brought it in. We've proven it hardy. Is the North Pole spruce? So it's a columnar spruce that gets about four feet wide. And goes up like a cedar, but it's hardy here, so that would be one. And they're 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 starting in the five six foot range, so. Okay, 
Okay, thank you. The other question I had was about uh, the voles. Yeah. Um, in June, there was about 15 of us sitting in our yard, and um, all of, just all of a sudden, one of my uh, perennials just went shoot right underground, and it bent, and then it just kind of was like a twister. And whatever was underground, yeah, right underground. I seen that for the first time myself too. As we have a little campground at below spruce it up. And I was sitting there um, by the creek, and I'm just sort of watching. And also, I'm watching this big weed getting chewed up. <laughs> and the thing's like three or four feet high. Yeah. And it just it pulled the whole thing underground. Exactly. And I've just, I've never really seen it before. I'm just like, holy cow. Yeah, like, I think that if I... If I didn't have 14 other people to witness that, I think that he, they thought I was drinking too much or something. Oh, absolutely. Cause it, yeah, because you don't see the, the, the critter. It just yeah. it pulls it just into the ground. It's, it's kind of amazing. Like it's, it's amazing. Yeah. So I, I've seen those. There is vole traps um, that you can use, um, pocket gopher type traps. There is some smoke bombs that you can use. They're called giant destroyers. And uh, you put them into the hole, and and all the smoke goes down into the tunnel and gets them underground. Okay. Um, so those work quite well. Um, the traps work good. Um, again, just when you see the piles of dirt, if you disturb them all the time or rake them out right away, that they'll tend to move on. Or but it's well, interesting because we don't have piles of dirt. That's that's why. I, yeah, like we used to, but we don't have them anymore. And half of my flower bed did not thrive this year, and the other half is just beautiful. So I feel like They're... he was stuck around on that side of the <laughs> flower bed, and like he ate a whole day lily, actually. Yep. And, but we haven't seen the piles. Huh. Yeah, so they're just, they're, they're, they're no need, they're happy in the shrub beds, just... Um, digging and eating what they what they got going there, so they're happy. Okay. Yeah, that's it, it's a tough one. Like I said, I wouldn't have believed it myself if I didn't see it. If I, if I didn't see it, like it was about two or three weeks ago with you calling, I, I I've kind of heard those rumors before of this happening, and I've never seen it myself. But until I seen it just myself, like I couldn't believe it. Like it was three feet out of the ground, and this little critter just pulled that thing into the ground like nothing. It was just like. <laughs> was, yeah, we almost could hear him chomping. Like, yeah. So you, that's how crazy it was. I would like know? to see how big they are. Or what they're, And I don't know if this is a different critter than what we're used to seeing, like the voles or the moles or, or what what it is. Um, I'd like to do a little bit more research. And if anybody knows a bit more, let let us know and, and share with us. Because that one's, uh, it's, it's and, and I don't see a lot of the piles down at my campground either. I do see on a couple of the pathways that I mow um, that I see a few piles, but not where this was. This was in the sand, sort of, a, we create a little beach area. But yeah, so it was easy for them to dig down. Um, but they got to be fairly big to be able to pull that much um, vegetation into the ground, you'd think. Yeah. So. Yeah. Okay, thank you. Well, I'll see if I can find some more out on that, Robin, and that'll help you and I both out. Yes, thank you so much. All right, take care. Bye-bye. <laughs> yeah, that one's, a, that one's a tough one. And right now I'm just going to take a quick break, and when we return we'll hit the phone lines and I'll try and get some text as well. You're listening to Let's Talk Gardening on 770 CHQR. Welcome back to Let's Talk Gardening. And we're going to go right to the phone lines. We're going to go to Anne. Good morning, Anne. Hi, Thank Merle. you for your patience. Oh, no problem. Um, 
just wondering, is it, is, is it a correct time to uh, plant raspberry canes? If, if you have some available, absolutely. Um, right now is a great time to plant a lot of the shrubs and different things because, like I said, the ground's nice and warm. As um, long as you make sure you water properly and cause the ground's nice and warm so it's good for the roots, they'll be able to root in nicely and you should be good to go. Uh, do you sell them at your garden? Yep, and I'm pretty sure we have some in stock. So Excellent. And do you put more than one cane in uh, uh, the hole, uh, or is it just one cane per hole? Um, depends how you get them. Sometimes if you get them, like, in the bare root early spring, the ones we got in plants in the pots, there's only one, two canes per, so then you just plant them as per one per hole. Okay. Thank you so kindly. And when would you get fruit from them? Next next year you should. If, oh, you, if you got them in now, you'll definitely see some next year. Thank you so much. All right. Good okay. luck, Ann. Thank Bye-bye. you. Bye-bye. All right. And let's go. Again, love to see everybody from uh, southern Alberta calling in today. Man, we've had, we have here Chuck from Stetler. Good morning, Chuck. Hi. Hey, how can I help you? Well, my wife is wondering about putting in perennials at this time of year in flower bed. Yeah, absolutely. Like I was just mentioning, it's a great time to do all your planting because um, the ground's nice and warm. It, it'll it'll welcome those roots in, get them nice and settled in. The main thing is when people plant in the fall is that they tend to plant and forget. So just make sure that you stay on a good watering practice right up until freeze up because if you just stick it in the hole and don't water it, it'll just desiccate and die. We so. found that out the hard way. We put in the watering system this year. Yeah. I thought our lawn and gardens were getting lots of water. Hell, when I turned that water system on, you should have seen how the grass and the flower beds came back. Yeah, it's a, it's amazing what uh, proper watering does. And for the health of your trees and shrubs, it's amazing. And just get get the water content up so you don't overwater, but just watering. The, and I like to water just sort of that slow and deep. Um, just water a little more, like a little bit longer for certain times, and then the moisture gets down deeper, so it'll keep your um, those uh, worms from coming up through the through your grass, and you'll see a big difference in your lawn and your trees and shrubs. So, she was wondering about phlox and lavender. Yep. Both are great to plant right now. Echinaceas, all those are are really good to plant at this time of year. Like mo- all your perennials and and your trees and shrubs, because like I said, it's it's perfect planting. That most of the plants are starting to download into the roots, and uh, the ground is nice and warm, so it's going to just uh, concentrate on growing roots for next spring, and uh, and then just making sure we water them in really well for next year. Sage. There is a row of sage around the, like a border around the flower beds. Yeah. And it's up, safer figures, 18 inches tall. Now yep. it's starting to break down. Does a person cut that back? We've never had it before. Yeah, you, you do not. I like, I just leave it till early spring. I cut back all my perennials. Okay. Yeah, yeah I, I leave all my perennials, everything until spring. Because um, then that way everything downloads into it and it's sort of like Mother Nature's way of protecting itself. It sort of uh, it it covers it. It holds moisture in. It catches snow. Like all depends on what type of plant. Like the the foliage on there works as a mulch and a protectant for it. So okay. What about ferns? Should yeah. they be taken out or left? No, left. All your perennials. Leave them till spring. Okay. Alrighty. Sounds good. And the other thing, uh, I have found that using eleven fifty two on my lawn. Yep. 
really smartened it up. Yep, no, that's a high middle number. So that's very similar. Um, I use 16326 as our spruce it up blend. And the high middle number makes a big difference here in Alberta because we have the heavy clay content in our soil and you need the roots down nice and deep. So absolutely, like I said, the 16326, some of the high middle number is going to give you really good results. Thanks, Chuck. I got to go. Thank you, sir. Bye-bye. All right. I'm going to go to Pam. Getting through some of these very patient callers. Good morning, Pam. Good morning. How can I help you? Well, I sent you some pictures of some very bad-looking marigold stems. Yeah. And I think I actually, I just had those up on my uh, screen right now as we speak. So I was just looking at those. They're they're perfection. Yeah. It looks like you got a really bad... Um, I'm not sure. Did they kind of get chewed off at the bottom and then just sort of flop over? No. Okay. I'm just sort of looking at them because they look, it either looks like that or they got a really bad case of thrip. Um, th- and unfortunately, thrips love marigolds. And when they just, they just go at them. And marigolds are great for getting rid of aphids and other things, but thrips love marigolds. So this looks like you got. Um, thrip damage for what I'm seeing. So, like, none of the foliage, none of the flowers, nothing was eaten. No, and that's what it is. It's a little tiny bug that um, it looks like the a head of a needle. Like, that's how thin it is. So it's really hard to see, and it just sucks all the nutrients out of the leaf. So, and you don't even really notice it until the plant's almost gone, which is unfortunate. Well, it's just so weird because you'll, like, they'll be, like, three feet wide and... Yeah. Tall and one stem will have that brown yeah. piece on it. Yeah. You might keep the other part of the plant, but that one part will be gone or you will lose the whole plant. Yeah, no, it does. It just sucks all the nutrients out of them. So, what can I like? I- Next year, you can look at spraying some ambush on them um, and just ensuring that they're well watered and well fed will help combat that but thrips are one that it's a tough one so just do a good um pure spray green works good as well um you can spray them sort of on a on a weekly thing because it really helps with any funguses and thrips like that so it's a tough one because you can't see them and so it's not necessarily going to get them next year um so you might want to rotate that crop or turn that over and really leave it really nice and lumpy this winter well, they're in all in containers. Okay. Yeah, so make sure you change your soil. Yeah, every year. Yep. So that's about it. I just think sometimes, unfortunately, you get um, you get some thrips, and it, it just unfortunately happens. Okay. So. Good. Well, thank you. All right. Good luck next year, and hopefully they uh, you won't get that. Okay. Well, bye-bye. I'll try that. All right. Bye-bye. All right. And I think I got time for one more before the break. We're going to go to Anne-Marie. Good morning, Anne-Marie. Good morning. I am fed up with mowing my lawn, <laughs> and I want to make a micro lawn with clover. Yes. How do I go about that? Um. So you got existing grass in there? I do. It's awful, but yeah, I have grass. Okay. So there's there's a couple different ways. Some people just overseed. Um, so what they'll do is put a top dressing of, of loam over top of their existing lawn that's in not very good shape mm-hmm. and then just overseed with clover and that'll grow within the grass as well. 
what clover do you recommend? The white, the red, or the purple? Um, well, we have the. We, I think we have all the the three varieties. You just got to watch to make sure that it's hardy for our zone. Because exactly, sometimes yeah. if you're getting some of the lower expensive, least expensive seeds, sometimes they're they're brought in from China or wherever else, and they're not hardy. Mm-hmm. Um, so you want to make sure you start with a good, and we carry the West Coast. We have the clover seed from them. And okay. I, I would just start with a really good seed that's that's for our zone is the most important thing. And mm-hmm. then the color, I think all of them are equally as hardy, it, just as long okay. as you're making sure you're getting a good quality seed. And it's something that I would probably do next spring. I oh, would in just, the spring, not now, and settle it in? Yeah, it, it's just we're getting close to the end. Like, I'm not sure how much you're going to get rooted in at this time of year mm-hmm. um, to start seeding right now. Um, for that big of a of a venture, I would just, I think you're going to have a lot better success if you start right early spring. Okay. Um, just cut your, mow the grass right down low. Right. Top dress it and do Top a heavy seeding it. of the clover. Mm-hmm. And then go from there. Or the other route is round up the grass, kill all of it, and uh, leave it for a week or two. Put the put the loam on top, and uh, and then clover seed it that way. So some people do a combination of both, or you can just uh, eliminate the the lawn altogether. I don't think it's necessary to totally um, rototill it all up and do that. I just think yeah. it's. I would just do a top dressing of uh, an inch or so of uh, fresh loam and put mm-hmm. the seed in there, give it a good raking, and you should be good to go. Yeah, the bumblebees are not doing good this year. And I've grown uh, bee balm and all kinds of things, and they're slow-moving and clumsy. They don't look good. So I thought if I planted a clover and uh, some fireweed in the front yard, that would help my Absolutely. There's a great yard that I love going by. It's on the radio the radio station. It's on if you're in Calgary, but I, I know you're from Didsbury. Um, but there's one in Calgary. This is on 29th Street, just north of the radio station. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and this person has, in the early spring, she has tons of tulips. And then the whole front yard just comes up. It's all different perennials and different things. And uh-huh. she has garden globes in there. It just... It, and you have to be able to appreciate what what it is because some people mm-hmm. look at it and think, oh, maybe it looks just like a mess. But it's it's great. I could imagine the amount of bees and things she has in her front yard must be mm-hmm. just lovely. So it's uh, yeah. We have a house like that in old. Oh, nice. And her garden is stunning. Yeah, absolutely gorgeous. Yeah, and and those few locations I think are great because they. Um, um, give you lots of pollinators for the whole neighborhood as well. So, and it makes yeah. a difference because I've seen so many bees on my tomato plants, and that's why I'm just loaded with them. So, yeah, that uh, would be good. All right, thanks, Henry. Good luck with that. Thank, Thank you. Bye bye. And I got to take a quick break, and we will return. And you're listening to Let's Talk Gardening on 770 CHQR. Welcome back. I'm going to go right to the phone line. We're going to go to Brenda. Good morning, Brenda. Hi. How can I help you? I'm having trouble with my carrots. Okay. What's going on? Well, there seems to be lots of them, and the tops are great, but the carrots are just seem to be like the size of your little finger. They're not even... Are, are you growing in containers or in the ground? In um, raised bed, raised yeah. box. And- and again, and depending how deep it is, I find, like I mentioned this earlier in the show, on some of the root crops, um, 
in in the raised bed if it if it if you're not getting the water all the way down nice and deep as well oh, okay. or if they heat up so you might need to mix in a bit of uh, like a sea soil or we have a green it up soil enhancer soil that's a combination of some compost and uh, manure that you can mix in with your with your um, potting soil oh, just on some okay. of the rooted stuff or it just need it nice and deep and because they just the roots get too hot mm-hmm. and they just grow up so you just and again it's that slow deep watering if it's 18 inches deep you have to just get the water down nice and deep and then that'll push it down oh okay yeah i water them three times a day but yeah it's right out in the you know they get the sun yeah which is good all day so I, I would just dig down a bit and just see if the soil's moist down like six eight inches because mm-hmm. that'll tell you if you're getting the water down but that's typically what it is if if it's just or if the soil has just too much nitrogen, so just, again, fertilizing with a high middle number. Well, I got one of those bags of, um, you know, the big yellow bags yep. of soil. So depending on what mix it is, that should be good because that does have soil. It's not totally soilless mix. Mm-hmm. So I would just ensure that you're doing the nice deep watering. And, okay. Uh, yeah, my potatoes are doing fine. They're in okay, the same that's good. box. <laughs> okay, that's awesome. That's good. Yeah, that's weird. like usually they're fairly similar. So um, the only thing is maybe that side heated up a bit more where the carrots are. Uh-huh. And uh, but that's all I could uh, really um, see because I've seen some great pictures of people sending lots of great carrots this year. So yeah, yeah, I just couldn't understand. Like there's tons of them, and I thinned them. And yeah, you still, did everything. Or... It sounds like you did everything right. So. Okay, well, I'll just pour some more water on them. <laughs> okay, yeah, just dig down and test it out first. Okay, great. Thank you. Thanks Bye-bye. a lot. Bye-bye. Bye. All right, and we're going to go to Allison. Good morning, Allison. Good morning. How are you? Good, good. How can I help you? Or... Okay, so I sent in a picture. So I got a few, um, a couple issues. I've got some mold on my squashes. Yeah. Powdery mildew, it looks like. Yeah. White powder. Yep. Um, I sprayed once with milk and it seemed to help, but it's kind of coming back. So do I just keep yeah. on with that? Yeah, you can that or pure spray green works really good for powdery oh. mildew. Okay. If you have any of that, that works really well on the powdery yeah. mildew. And this is the time you're exploring watering a little bit more. They get some water on the leaves. And when you have those leaves with any of that kind of little, the hair on them, you know, like the hairy leaves on your yeah. zucchinis and cucumbers and stuff, um, that kind of holds sometimes the moisture in and that breeds the the powdery mildew. Okay. Okay. Um, and I sent a picture in, I've got this, um, um, this pro this, this, um, it's not a problem, but it, there's this honeybee yep. keeps attacking my, the bumblebees, like taking them down to the ground and riding on their back. Is it that, is it one of those really big ones? Cause there is those, I guess there's so, those, um, killer wasps and i've seen a few pictures of them and a few people saying that they do go after our um the bees so if you see Um, that one if you're able to get it i got a picture and i sent it in to you at what's your last two numbers of your phone number three nine three nine okay i see it here 11 yep no i see it here the first picture is the bees okay it looks like a honeybee to me. Yeah. And it's happened twice now. Yeah, that does look like a honeybee. Yeah, yeah. So it's not the same, but that's one of those great big ones. And is that, it has a, a victim underneath it? Is that sort yeah. of? 
That's a bumblebee. Yeah, look how, and it's quite a bit bigger than that oh, one. Huge, yeah. So either they're mating or it's attacking it. <laughs> yeah, well, and, and I have a video and it almost looks like they're mating, but I mean, how would that be possible? <laughs> Do you think that would happen? Uh, I don't know. Like Maybe the bigger one know. is the queen, Like I'm, I, and I don't know enough about those type of bees to, okay. to comment, but that could be like those bigger ones, like the real big queen bee could be, but I'm not sure if they just do it out in the open or the privacy of their home. <laughs> yeah, but, but like, yeah. And then... Yeah, sorry, go ahead. Do you think it may be a swarm trying to move into the yard? Because I, I sent you a picture of my garden there. Too. Yeah, you have so many, yeah, you have so, lots of great stuff going on in yeah. your yard. Oh, the bales have just been amazing. The, the growth. Uh, see, they don't really look like the honeybees, though. So those look like just the different type of bee. Like, I'm not sure, like like a bumblebee and not necessarily the honeybee. You don't think the top one is no, a honeybee? No, because they're usually, they don't have the hair on them like that. Oh. They're okay. a lot, they almost look like a wasp a bit more. Like they, they're. Oh. Yeah, so those are just bumblebees. So. In, okay. in my opinion. But I got to go, Allison. I'm sorry. Okay. And Matt, well, if you want to wait, I will get you off air. Um, and congratulations, Allison. Great garden. Lots of bees. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. And, uh, take care. Bye-bye. Bye. All right. Until next week, we'll get our garden on again next week. And uh, as we head into September, you've been listening to Let's Talk Gardening on 770 CHQR.